For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. Today is Friday. No, it's Wednesday, May 29th, 2019. John White, you're my co-host today. How's it going? It's going really well. It's these, uh, the, the Friday uh, broadcast that's got you all twisted around. Uh, it, it is. It is. It's, uh, it's great. We did a great Friday broadcast. And, man, we got like 4,500 downloads on yeah. that Friday broadcast. Really and I never uh, updated it. So people that listened, I'm sorry. We had a, a moment where we had echoes and we had to stop and I said I would uh, edit it but I never did so yeah. uh, so appreciate you guys listening to that three minute uh, debug session that was right in the <laughs> middle of the podcast uh, on the show today we have Justin Murray Justin is senior technical marketing architect uh, he's going to be talking about machine learning AI uh, vSphere the industry we got everything Justin welcome to the show you're in the studio thank you Eric thank yeah. you nice to be here it's nice to be here we'll get to Justin in a little bit but first we'll we'll do the news and then we'll get to our our new hire that we have in in the studio as well, uh, Casey. We'll talk a, a minute to Casey, just to introduce him to the V community out there. Uh, but before we do that, let's do a little bit of the news. Um, I don't have a lot of news. We obviously have the standard news we do every show now. Early bird registration opened on 0507 for VMworld. Uh, content catalog goes live 0618. Uh, early bird registration uh, U.S. General, I think, is 0621, and for uh, Europe is 0726. I don't know the differences behind those. Schedule Builder, 0616, 2019. Europe is 0924, 2019. Uh, the conference is 0825, 2019 for U.S., and the conference for Europe is 1104, 2019. So no major dates coming up yet, but it's it's on its way, so be aware of that. The second bit of news that I do have is that Casey has joined the VMware team. Uh, Casey Sandarajan, uh, yep. welcome to the VMware Community Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's nice to have you in the studio. I, we'll just talk a minute. What are you working on? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing uh, over the course of leading up to VMworld. Yeah, so we're uh, working on a Raspberry Pi lab where we're implementing mini Kubernetes on it, uh, and hopefully mm -hmm. we can get it running by VMworld. Nice, nice, nice. So I know there's a couple components to that that you're working on. One is getting the uh, Minikube on a Raspberry Pi. Yep. Uh, yeah. Second is maybe an application. Yeah, exactly. So we're hoping that uh, someone else in VMware can help us maybe develop an application and implement that and give people, I guess, something to do at home, something that's pretty easy to get started with and a great application of Kubernetes. Right. So by the time you're done, we'll have mini uh, Kubernetes running on your own Raspberry Pi. So you can do a quick $40 uh, Kubernetes implementation at home, uh, easy to do. And then Tim Davis is has built a, a, a nice app. We're going to try to trim that app down uh, so that it'll run on a mini cube, right? So that's that's our goal. And then uh, finally, using IoT sensors to pull data from the sensors into the Raspberry Pi into your Kubernetes application. And then finally, the last bit. What's the last bit? Uh, trying to put that all in the cloud and get that running on Amazon servers as well, I think. Yeah. Right, right. So using, Hybridity. 
Yeah, PK, yeah. PKS. Um, out, uh, so that uh, now you have a payload, you have an application running yep. on your Raspberry Pi, being able to upload that to PKS. So that's what you're that's what you're doing over the next several months, exactly. and hopefully we'll get it running. We're gonna code, try to gonna take it up to uh, Developer World in New York oh. in, in three weeks. So he's okay. got three weeks to at least get wow, some part of that yeah. timeline. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, once we get it debugged, we'll we'll bring it to the Emerald. So Very cool. Casey, it's great to have you on the team yeah, as thank always. You. So thanks for joining us in the studio. Mostly you'll probably just listen to us, but feel free to jump in this uh, as you, as we go along. <laughs> um, I do have a little bit of news. There's a uh, there's a GA of uh, the latest version of uh, Cloud Foundation. I think the main payload was the uh, security update for vSphere that, that came out. So uh, I think it's Hotfix uh, 9, 6.7 Hotfix 9 is part of the Cloud Foundation payload now. And then I have uh, the uh, British Columbia Regional VMUG UserCon is on June 4th. So uh, if you are thinking about uh, going to that, uh, make sure that you're uh, registered up. It's uh, Vancouver, June 4th. 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. A user con coming up. Great. We should shout, do a shout out to all the people on Facebook. Hey, guys, Facebook. how's it going? We got the cameras on both angles. So uh, it's always fun to see how many people watch us live stream and, and actually recognize us and say hello. So get good of you guys to, to, to give us those views. We appreciate it. Uh, all right, Corey, you're on the call. Got any uh, the expert news coming up? Yeah, yeah, I do. Hey, uh, welcome, Casey. I'm, I'm on the team as well, and I'll meet you uh, tomorrow afternoon. So looking forward to it. Uh, v, v Expert News. Uh, so this morning we had a, uh, a meeting with uh, Cloud Foundation, and it, the topic was Cloud Foundation and Lab Constructor. Uh, we also sent out a doc for nested, uh, for nested cloud, cloud Foundation deployments. Um, so V experts, go and check your mail. Very, very cool and interesting uh, meeting and webinar we had this morning. Uh, we also are planning the VMworld US party. Uh, we don't have a location nailed down yet, but we have a few that we're looking at. So we should have uh, an announcement coming up in uh, the next uh, month or two on what that party will look like and uh, the sign-up form and email like we normally do. Uh, we also will have the next two weeks uh, a sub-program announcement, so that will be coming. I uh, don't want to say what it is yet, but uh, looking forward to that announcement. I've been working with some folks in VMware, and uh, it's a really, really cool program for the sub-programs that we're developing. So I got one, I got one follow-up question on that, which is um, – if you're going to do sub-programs, are we going to ever get the sub-programs in the vExpert app? Yeah, they're in there now. So you can apply in the vExpert app. Uh, we don't have the, the capability of doing voting in the app yet. Uh, but by the time we have voting for this new sub-program, uh, it will be implement, implemented into the app. Nice. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. Yes. And before yeah. we kick into the main topic with Justin, I got to ask, uh, Color of the Bay, we skipped over it. I'm Color sorry. of the Bay report, absolutely. So it was uh, kind of a green with some, some muddy upwellings as I crossed uh, San Mateo Bridge today. It's kind of kind of crazy. I don't exactly understand the weather. It's a hazy day. I don't know if that adds to it. Maybe it's the wind. Um, but yeah, I, I still, you know, well, it's, 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 it's almost getting summer. Yeah. You're kind of, kind of crossing over back from winterland again. It was snowing across the U.S. We got it. We got a lot of rain, but so it's we're, but now it's now it's 75 and it's supposed to be good this week. So yeah. again, odd weather. I'm I'm wearing right. uh you know an overcoat a pullover because yeah. you know, I had no idea what the weather was going to be like. Three and a half years in the bay, 
I still don't get it. And if you're listening to this and wondering why we're doing The Color of the Bay, it's a throwback to my favorite uh, original podcast that inspired me to do these with John Tarter, which was the Hawaii Surf Report. And the Hawaii Surf Report was just this report. And all they did was just go around the island and talk about the conditions at each of And they did an hour podcast. And I love that I don't surf. I've never been to Hawaii. <laughs> but I just love the idea that they gave you a sense of what was actually happening in Hawaii. So we, we threw that in as, hey, the color of the bay. Yeah, so the story that I tell myself is that the very first time that I was on the podcast, uh, I just decided to do it. And you looked at me like, what are you doing? And then we never talked about it ever again. <laughs> I, it could have been that. It could have been that. I, I, I go with either story. This okay. sounds good. And uh, moving on from the color of the, the bay, Justin Murray, senior technical marketing architect, here to talk about machine learning, AI, and everything that we need to know about it. So, Justin, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how long you've been at VMware? Thank you, Eric. I've been at VMware since 2007, so I'm an old guy now. I've been here 12 wow. years. Um, doing a variety of different jobs, but about uh, four or five years ago, customers were asking us, how do we do big data on VMware? And I got involved in that and Hadoop. And uh, customers are still asking us that to, to this day. You know, it's amazing. I think what we're seeing is they went with physical and they're coming back. And gradually, what my team and I noticed was the questions are now evolving into machine learning. And so about two years ago, we started playing around with Spark on VMware. Spark is open source. Anybody can download it. It takes about 10 minutes to install it. And I got fascinated by this. And, you know, what I've learned from this machine learning stuff is all the math I did at college that I wasn't sure how I was going to apply it. Right. Here it comes. At last, it's relevant. You know, I wish I'd paid attention to my statistics now. That's fascinating. You know, I have to throw back a little bit. Uh, when I started, I started here in late 2006, 2007, right about when, when you did it. You were crawling the halls. We were crawling the halls. We, were, we didn't have this beautiful campus. We were over on Porter, I think it That's was. Right. And right. Uh, in the old wooden creaky building, I call it the Harry Potter Castle because it had little hallways and wooden steps and, and everything. And, uh, and I think you came from HP and I came from Sun Microsystems. Right. And we showed up at this little tiny company that was making waves around virtualization. And we looked at each other and we went, we don't know if we're too old for this or not. You know, we come from Sun and HP and like, but, uh, but here we are. And I bump into you every once in a while through the halls and we nod and we say hello. Absolutely. And, and then I scheduled you on the podcast, not knowing you were you. So when you <laughs> showed up in the room, I'm like, oh, my God. It's the it's Justin, the guy I always say hello to, and yeah, uh, yeah. here you are, and working on some pretty cool stuff. So, all right, great. That's your history. Uh, really, really fun. My son goes to CMU, does uh, you know neural networks and and AI, and I would say that yeah, the math is a big deal now, right? right and right. he is man, they do heavy duty math to do that stuff. There, there is right. a lot of math involved, and it's it makes it exciting. It, it's it's interesting because you can apply this. And what your son doing is doing is the sort of neural network end of machine learning, which is the stuff that everybody's talking about, the most exciting stuff around. Right. But it's not the only kind. You, know, you, right. can, you can do machine learning on your boring relational tabular data, on your CSV data in Excel spreadsheets. You right. can do machine learning there. And that's, I think, the key message is there are at least two forms of this. There's the high-end form, which is GPUs and neural networks. All of that works on VMware, by the way. And then there's the form that we started off on two years ago, which is just take rows and columns of data and try to, to do predictions of credit card defaults, for example. Right. And banks and insurance companies and every company is full of sales data that's in table form. 
So why not start there? It's a very practical way to, to start out. And there's no neural networks involved. There's no GPUs yeah, I mean, involved. That is actually really interesting. And that's the way I tend to approach things. It's like, what can you do with a pencil and paper right. Right? with just raw data? Right? right. Instead of getting super fancy and trying to make a human brain that's, you know, that's like, can we just do predictive analysis or some kind of like, here's the rows, here's the data. I do some kind of, I have a CRISPR lab at home. I do a little bioengineering, right, for fun. It's kind of my hobby and uh, the medical bioengineering stuff. And if you just look at the practical approach of looking at big data and just making some predictions, just not very complicated science, but just looking at just the raw data and trying to say, what's actually happening here? And can we just do some simple learning around right. the data sets? And you, you, yeah. bring, you bring up a great theme here, which is what does machine learning need? It needs pretty massive quantities of data for training its models. So right. that's where the world of big data and the world of machine learning come together. That is, Hadoop and all those things for big right. data, they found a real use now. And you, you're seeing companies who made their living out of Hadoop shifting very rapidly to becoming machine learning companies because they've got the data, right. they've been storing it in these big repositories, they've been right. really talking about the past, they've been doing right. SQL queries on this data using you know, Impala, Hive, and all that. But now it gets more exciting because they can talk about the future, they can predict what's going to happen next. and you know, fault, fault analysis in banks right. is a classic application for this. Right. So let's quantify these two forms again. Right. Uh, the, the first form, tell me about that. The second form I get, rows of data, data analytics. What was the first form? The, the, the simpler form is the tabular data. I call okay. it tabular data. The second form, the more sophisticated form of machine learning, and, okay. and the, the kind that everybody's paying attention to, I would call image, voice, and text data. So you can ask, you can ask a data scientist, in your company, right. what are we using for our training data? Are we using data in tables with rows and columns, or are we using images of cars or stop signs if we're in okay. Tesla, for example? Right. Okay. Uh, or are we using voice, or are we using text? And those last three, images, voice, and text, require a little more machinery and a little more sophistication right. than the tabular yeah, form. Yeah, sure, does. right. The Tesla But AI, every, every right, company's right. got tables. Every right. company's got spreadsheets sure. and relational databases. So this is very, very common, and you can apply the same principles to it. And curiously enough, applying that heavy-duty machinery, GPUs and GPUs really support neural networks because neural networks are doing thousands of mathematical uh, calculations per second or billions of them per second. Right. And that's why GPUs are really popular and why you know, NVIDIA is really popular. But that's not, that's not really applicable when you're talking about rows and columns of data. You're, you're multiplying right. a row by right. a column sure. to, to get a matrix multiplication done, and right. that's it. Right. And that's, you don't need a GPU for that. You, don't, you might get 5% five right. extra right. with a right. GPU, but you don't essentially need it. So right. that's a good message in the sense that you can get started, as we got started in our lab here in technical marketing, you can get started on that kind of data and learn a lot that way if you're just starting out in this. You probably already have the data, and um, you don't need any specialized um, hardware right. to, get, to get started. And you probably don't need to acquire any hardware if you do this all on your, your existing VCR lab. Exactly. I did, I did my first machine learning two years ago on standard x86 machines on vSphere, standard VMs, nothing special about the VMs. Now today I'm in the world of assigning a GPU to a VM and running a neural network like TensorFlow generated neural networks on it. So things are changing and you go back and forth between the two. But getting started, you can get, get started with 
no special hardware, as you rightly right, say. Right. What are the ISVs doing in this space? Who are the big players and what are they attempting to do here? Very, very good, very good. And I'm going to describe Google as an ISV to begin with. That's probably <laughs> the first person ever to describe them as an ISV. But, you know, that's a huge innovation engine there. Mm -hmm. And they've done two things over the past couple of years that are really stand out. One is Kubernetes, mm -hmm. which we've been mentioning. And sure. I've, been, I've been deploying machine learning models into Kubernetes in the past few days. And, and it's fantastic stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and the second is TensorFlow. Right. And TensorFlow is really designed to make neural networks easier to make the creation of them straightforward, really to democratize the, pro the programming that's required for artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I'm going to make a, difference, uh, a slight differentiation between sure. those two. I think AI is a huge field, very broad, and I would say it's any technique that enables computers to mimic human, human behavior. Okay. Now, human right. behavior is very wide. It's not just learning. It's judgment. It's reasoning. It's uh, decision-making. You know, uh, machine learning is just a tiny subset of that. Okay. And right. uh, it, we're a long way from being able to replicate a human intelligence, really. Mm -hmm. But the machine learning part is a bit like your child learning at to what's good behavior and what's bad behavior. And the good behavior and bad behavior is the labels that are on your data. That's the training data Got that it. you feed to the child. The child is the computer program, uh, the machine learning algorithm, the neural network. You're feeding it these historical records of good and bad behavior. And you're saying, now in the future, when something new happens to you, I want you to be able to classify it as good or bad. Right. And you're giving it more and more experiences all the time. And, and the fascinating thing about this is the training that you've given needs to be constantly refreshed. Mm -hmm. It's never going to sort of stay the same forever. There are new, new experiences that you've never met before that you need to supply to the the training phase as you go ahead. So it's not a, it's a bit like software development, you know, training these models. It's uh, applying the model to, uh, to the training data, have it go into the real world and do something, and then come back and retrain it again and again. And so you're constantly delivering. So it's, it's a job for life yeah. for these data scientists folks. Sure, sure. Continuous integration model, same thing. Exactly, software development. a CI right. model, right. exactly. Right. Right. And, and then within the machine learning definition, there's another subset which is that form of machine learning, particularly that uses neural networks. And neural networks are another form of machine learning model, okay. a sophisticated right. form. And they've got thousands or millions of nodes in them, and each one of those nodes is doing matrix multiplication. So that's where the billions of transactions go on. And to, do, to support all that, that's where the GPUs come in. So I would say that's really deep learning, where you're using deeply layered neural networks that's where GPUs really shine and give you the boost and, and yeah, amazing the boost in yeah. performance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, we talked a little bit about the platforms. Uh, what are the applications that are starting to bubble up from this? You, know, you have you know, there's business applications uh, that are be starting to see benefits from these uh, uh, machine learning you know environments. Yeah. What, can you talk a little bit about that? There, there's a wide variety of applications out there, but the classic one that everybody quotes is fraud detection in banking or insurance or I know, risk. Them. Risk assessment. <laughs> they risk. just bother me. Is, is this person a good bet for a credit card? Right. 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 This person has just applied for a credit card. Well, what's the person's zip code? What's, right. their, what's their history of transactions in the past? What's their annual salary? They'll ask right. you these questions. And, of course, right. what they're doing is applying that to the already trained model, which recognizes the weight of all those things sure. and says, 
this is a good bet or this is a bad bet. So that's that's well understood and that's out there and people are in production with that. You know, insurance companies same idea, risk management. But getting more exciting than that is recommendation engines. You bought these three books in sure. the past. You're going to be interested in this. Yeah, we're book. getting in that in digital marketing now. We're, right. We're, we're, we're using that kind of stuff. In VMware's own products, you know, right. what is standard behavior over the past six months of this set of machines? And what is de- deviant behavior? What is wrong, wrong right. behavior? Right. What right. is the overheating of, of something in the machine? And so prediction that if you run this database at this 90% level for a week on end, you're going to you're going probably, to cook something. You're going right. to stress, stress yeah. something out. Right. That sort of prediction. And so VMware is applying this idea of machine learning in three different ways. One is put it into our own products. And that's important because our products can benefit from it and be more sophisticated. You know, uh, be a great platform for customers to do machine learning on. In other words, if you're going to run yeah, t- different, different flow, strategy, but yeah, if, okay. If right. you're going to run Spark, right, um, and uh, you know, improve customers' business, right, is the third one. So there's three kind of legs to the stool there, right. So one at our in our products, right. To uh, making sure that AI uh, and machine learning runs well on our products, and then three. Improve the customer's business, help business. the customer. Help so, business. how do we get into that? Well, in general, the, the advice to a customer is try this out on more than one thing at a time because you're not always guaranteed success when you start on a machine learning project. Right. So, run right. three or four projects together and do I a see. sort of right. horse race between them as to which is going to give you the main benefit and do something that affects the business. Okay. I so um, there's there's a tendency with this technology and and mm-hmm. the more advanced form GPUs and neural networks to just fall in love with the technology and want to do something with it. But what's the business reason? What's yeah, the business try, try to help them understand. Do we have experience in this to help guide customers? Yeah. Uh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We've um, we've talked to quite a few customers about it. We've done, you know, for the, for the second goal, which is to make ourselves a great platform for doing it on. We've tested TensorFlow. We've tested. Spark. We've tested, you know, um, third-party companies that you may or may not have heard of, like H2O.AI and KNIME or NIME and RapidMiner, companies that supply the the tools into this business, and they all work great on vSphere. And you know, surprise, surprise, if you put a GPU on a vSphere machine, you'll you'll see about a three percent, four percent performance difference. Okay, not much. Yeah. What you yeah, seen in physical right. and you know if you're if you're training took two hours you it'll take two hours and five minutes it's right not right it's not a huge amount so okay. that's a that's a good message to to give out to people that you can do the more sophisticated end of machine learning gpus and neural networks on your current it infrastructure on yeah. your current yeah. vmware infrastructure and uh, right. and we'll show you how to dedicate a gpu to a vm or dedicate more than one gpu to a vm if you now want to. i understand that you're in technical marketing now um yeah. where are we as far as actually being able to spin up maybe like a consulting practice um, to actually go into a company and say, hey, you know, you're, you're doing this, you know, whether or not you're using vSphere, you know, we have found a lot of success on that. This is how we do it. Here's uh, maybe some, uh, you know, great architectural examples um, and data sources and, and use cases that we found, you know, you know, more success if you're looking at your sales data you know, more success when you're looking at your delivery data, you know, those types of things. Is that something there, that we're doing? There, there are some folks inside the company who do that, yeah. And, okay. and we get called into such customers a lot from, 
from the headquarters, if you like. But there are some field folks out there in the, in the PSO and the professional services who can have that conversation with the customer. Um, data scientists are hard to find. They're, they're kind of, they're being trained at college right now, but they're not out there with industry experience yet. So uh, getting the right team of people in the room to identify the projects and identify what exactly the technology is that you should apply to those problems we can help with, yes. Um, it's, it's a rare find, actually. It's, uh, more and more people are going to come out of college with those skills, but it's, uh, it's pretty rare. I wouldn't say that we have a, a mature consulting service in that area yet, but we certainly have people who can give mm -hmm. advice and help. Got it. And are there other organizations out there? Is it like the, you know, the big five consulting companies? Is it like you know, who actually does have those? Uh, machine learning practices? I would say typically it's the ISV that you commit to. If you commit to a company like Databricks or Cloudera or Hortonworks, and Cloudera and Hortonworks have merged now, so they're the mm -hmm. same company, or a company like H2O.ai that have dozens of data scientists working for them, or the big five, as you say, or the big mm -hmm. four. Uh, we've seen those folks at the, at the uh, machine learning conferences, and they're all over it. You know, it's a complex subject. There's lots of choices to make as to which model and which parameters to tune in that model. Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of decision making, but there's an interesting move in the industry to democratize it, to supply enough tooling such that you hand it your training data in a file and the tool actually does the rest, does the choice of model, the choice of hyperparameters, which are the tuning yeah, parameters. It's, Can you apply AI to the, the, the data model to then develop the machine learning structure you need to, to well, harness that data? That's exactly, that's exactly the theme here, well, well, well described, which is given that you could choose any of these 10 models, what, right. does, what does your previous history tell you about applying a particular model to a particular data set? So for example, uh, tabular data, the simplest form, it might it might be the case that uh, models like XGBoost, which are very popular and trendy out there, do the job 90% of the time. So try that first. Right, you know, right, or, right, sure. Uh, a, deep, a deep neural network, like a, a recurrent neural network, an RNN, is right. best for handwriting, uh, handwriting recognition or voice recognition. That, that sort of best practice is emerging yeah. now. All right. And being since, quoted. Since most of the guys that are listening to this, uh, or folks that are listening to this, I won't even say guys, everyone, the audience members, um, are IT practitioners, uh, which is you know who we talk to. Bring it back to some hardware choices, right, and architectural choices. Are there things in these three different layers which we what we are build, giving you to run uh, a machine learning versus uh, taking up that next layer, which is how are you using it versus business business solutions? Uh, what are the kind of hardware architectural issues that you have to look at when you're considering building out infrastructure for your own AI projects in your company? Right, that's that's a great question, Eric. Thank you. That's so, because it's on my list that you gave me. I mean, come on, we're just going to be real. Here. Uh, yeah, no. maybe, maybe you did, <laughs> but it is a great question. So, Continue so first, on. first, let's break machine learning down into two main phases. Right. Uh, there's the training phase, which is the application right. of the historical data to the model and getting the model to understand its weights. And it adjusts the weights on the fly, and there's thousands of these transactions going on. So that's computationally intensive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? That's, right. that's going to drive your CPU up to 90% or above. Um, and if, it, if it's a neural network you're using, you're almost certainly in need of a GPU and your data scientist is, is saying, I need a GPU here. This thing is taking five days to train. I right. need to bring it down to an hour. Right. So the question we get the most, and there's all, almost a sort of 
deep connection in our customers' minds is, I want to do machine learning, tell me about GPUs. That's the infrastructure question that comes right. up immediately. Right. Um, but, and then the second phase of machine learning is called inference, prediction, classification. That's, that's the production part, like uh, productizing a software object. Mm -hmm. And what you've done is you've taken your trained model from tra training time and deliver it, delivered it as an end, end goal deliverable. Right. And the question is, what am I going to deliver it into? Am I going to have another virtual machine yeah. that looks exactly like the training one? How big do I have to scale or, or it? Or could I use that? a Raspberry Pi right. for this if it's right. on a factory floor like mm -hmm. right. uh, Casey's going to do? So inference is often associated with lighter weight compute technology, you know, uh, the edge, okay. doing inference right. at the edge. If you're on a factory floor, you want to know if a sensor is going to blow in an right. hour's time. Right. So we, in my unit here, the vSphere unit, very much focus on what do you need to make training more efficient and faster? And generally, that's big memory. And it's very often when you're talking about neural networks, as everybody is, a GPU, one or more. And right. we, uh, we have three or four different techniques of implementing that on vSphere. So there's pass-through, which is effectively saying, hypervisor, stay out of the way here. This is, this is a CUDA command that I'm issuing to the GPU on my machine. Stay out of the way and just pass this through the direct through the hypervisor to okay. the hardware. Right. And these are all based on NVIDIA drivers, etc. Okay. There's a second technique which uses NVIDIA Grid, which is a piece of software you can buy from NVIDIA. It's licensed software. It's got a longer name, Quadro Virtual Workstation. But that software allows you to share a GPU among two or more users, which is fantastic, fantastically yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. And then there is a third form, which is I'm sitting on a CPU-based VM, and I want to use that GPU over on the, the other side of my data center that happens to have GPUs associated with it. Right. Could I do that across the network? And BitFusion FlexDirect is a software. Yeah, they, they always show that demo at VMworld where they're, they're, they're doing that, that yeah. trick, and it's, yeah. really, it's super cool. It's, it's right. amazing because all of these folks can be clients, Right. And they can use remote GPUs, remote GPUs and, right. and they don't have to own them. They're all them. playing video games, and they talk about how it, all this is being rendered on you know, this and remote bank of GPUs. Yeah, yeah and I, third I went to a talk by uh, some serious data scientists from Facebook a couple of weeks back, and their big, big thing was, how do we know that the GPU is really being used to the extent that it could be? How, how do we know that it's well utilized? Right. And it's amazing the engineering they built using NVIDIA tools and using their own uh, engineering technology just to figure out where the bottlenecks are mm -hmm. and who's why is this gpu not being used to 80 or 90 percent capacity and i think that that tells you that even though we have frameworks around tensorflow keras uh, etc people are still not confident that they're getting the best value out of these and so sharing gpus is not an outrageous proposition by any means to give to many customers to say you have a team of data scientists doing x project and a team of data scientists doing y project do they really need a gpu dedicated to their virtual machine right or a bank some, of gpus yeah exactly some right. do some do and and some very high-end data science training jobs need four gpus and you're seeing nvidia right. shift machines with eight or 16 gpus in them right. but you really want to test that out early on if you're an IT person, just right. how much utilization are you actually using? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll throw the instance in here. Uh, my son, again, is, is actually interning at Facebook this summer, right? Mm. And one of his projects was obviously, you know, a final project for his junior year where they needed, you know, it was taking, I think, 15 minutes to come up with uh, the, the answers they needed through their algorithms. And right. they, you know, they had it on their own, you know, hardware in the data center. Uh, they eventually then got permission to go to AWS and get big, you know, neural network GPUs, you know, assigned to the project and they got it down to like 12 seconds, right? So, okay. you know, you, you can actually then go to cloud and get even additional GPU resources assigned and, and run your workload out there. Too. And, so, and that's, yeah, a, that's right. a theme we've been exploring in the labs here, which is that is training best done on premises and inference done on the cloud or is training best done in the cloud and inference on premises? And you, you can imagine that you don't really want do big training jobs on a factory floor. You want to do right. it somewhere you've got serious computers. Right. And uh, that might be in the cloud, or the, and we've done it on VMware Cloud and AWS, actually, and, and use the, Spring, uh, the, the Spark platform in both places, right. very lightweight platform. I want to know when the belt is going to fall off the factory floor, when the, you know, the, the yeah. drive chain is going to jump, jump, jump the track. Right? So, like, so as to get out of the way as quickly yeah. as possible, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> where machine learning becomes vital there. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe I, I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly. The training is the heavyweight part. Yeah. And the, so that's when you're building the black box, so to speak. That's right. right. But once that black box is built, the idea is that you can run that on a lightweight platform. Right. Okay. Lighter weight than the training platform, Got yes. It. Got it. Yeah. So it could be extremely lightweight. Uh, we have a performance engineering gentleman that works with me here in, in VMware who took uh, training that he'd done on several VMs, like um, half a dozen VMs, trained his model up, and then delivered that into an IoT-style box, a very small box that could be sitting in the, in the uh, point of sale at, the recept uh, at a, a grocery store or mm -hmm. factory floor, and the idea is that this thing can spread out to many different devices and then feed its data back to the factory later on when it's quiet so mm -hmm. retraining can be done on the model then. So, right. yes, training is the heavier part of it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Um, let's see. Is there one growth in one particular industry? Is the growth in one particular industry? Sorry, just reading this to type fast. Um, yeah, I, I guess are there industries that are you know ahead of the game? Obviously, you know, self-driving cars and health and medical and and risk management are clearly forefronts in this space. Um, yeah, where do you see other industries jumping in? Do you hear some interesting places where this is growing? Yeah, I, I I'm fascinated by the application that you mentioned, which is new drug research and you know. Uh, looking for patterns in historical, do we, do we really have to go through all these trials every right, time? Right. So can we derive something from historical data that right. shows us the pattern to go after? Well, and actually, if you know, and this, um, I'll just go here for a second, sure. right, because it's, you know, it's hobby, but it's not relevant, is that all medical research is actually black box research. We don't know actually what's happening when we introduce chemicals, right? We can't see small enough to know what the so all we can do is do one thing and watch the results right well that's perfect for machine mm -hmm. learning right yeah. because that's all that's all trials are is we gave you this pill and we watched and we recorded x amount of data to see did you die did you this did you sweat did you, all the things that happened and we categorize that and so actual medical research is a very slow version of machine learning right? yeah right yeah. so yeah and and very large healthcare companies are applying these techniques to right. do you know, anal yeah. analysis of health trends, but also right. analysis of 
side effects of drugs, et cetera, and, and doing research there. And that's, I think that's an amazing field to apply to. The finance companies have, have a lot invested here because I would say they're probably the most aggressive adopters of this because the, the use cases are clear. You know, fraud was a big one. Risk management is another one. Uh, they're, they're definitely spending, spending on this business and looking at the tool vendors and saying, what can you give me to make this a, dom- a democratized study? I don't want to have uh, 50 PhDs in statistics working on this. I want every programmer to be able to do this, you know. Um, and then I think automotive is definitely right. yeah. a huge field because we're all looking forward to autonomous yeah. vehicles. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we hope the autonomous vehicle recognizes the stop sign yep. and, uh, and it, right. needs, it needs some heavy-duty training to do that. And the inference then is taking the model from the uh, place where training is done and putting it in the computer in the car. So that has to be compact. Right. And you right. can think of that model as a set of coefficients, a set of weightings that says, you know, the color's red, the letter is S, it's probably stop sign. <laughs> right. You know? right. Uh, right. So benefits of doing machine learning on VMware, if we just want to touch base on, you know, obviously we, we have all the physical, the virtual benefits of, of running vSphere and ESXi on hardware and getting that utilization. Other benefits? One of the huge things that I see is that you're, you know, I've, I've dealt with a couple of ISVs in the past six months or so now, and you see a new version of their product every month. So I'm using 1.3, 1.5, and 1.6 of uh, right, a product, right, right, right. A, a very interesting product from H2O called Driverless AI, democratizing AI. But how do you cope with that rate of change? And TensorFlow is, is changing at sure. the same rate, and right. everything, everything is changing at the same rate. So you have a set of you know, well-paid data scientists. You want right. to keep them on the tools that they want to be on, and right. they want to be on the latest. How do you tame the cats here? But yeah. at the same yeah. time, the product, the, the, the product that we have shipping today was one, version 1.1, and we need to be able to recreate that. Right. Well, that's perfect for virtual machines. And you want to isolate these people sure. from each other yeah. such that the behavior of TensorFlow on VMs 1 to 10 is not affecting the, the behavior of XGBoost on 11 to 20. So performance isolation, which you don't get from containers, and I'm, I'm becoming a big fan of containers, and containers are in my machine learning lab now, right. running in VMs. Run them in the, yeah. But, yeah. but containers don't give you performance isolation in that sense, and they don't give you version isolation to the same extent. So deploy your model in the container, been sure. doing that over the past few, yeah. few weeks here, and then have that container managed by Kubernetes because you're going to need replicas of it. Yep. But... The virtual machines come in at the infrastructure level right. be- because of the separation and right. because of, you know, you can think of a virtual machine yeah. as a collection of containers that belong together, a pod in Kubernetes terms. You can think of a virtual machine as that unit of containers that all start and all end together. Right. And so the two match up very well. And it's, there's no sort of impedance mismatch between these two technologies as far as I'm concerned. But, um, and, you know, the second reason, which is, kind of a crazy reason, is, uh, well, not so crazy. Uh, All of the customers that come in to me have already got thousands of VMs around, and they they know how to manage them. They know how to manage them. You can get them. They're they're part of the process. And it's almost almost a standard operating procedure now. If anything needs to be run as an application, it runs on VMware. And my job really is to say, this machine learning stuff is no different. You run this on VMware and it doesn't impact your performance and gives you benefits in isolation 
and that yeah. sort of thing. And I would say that I'm kind of a cowboy when it comes to IT resources. And, you know, I spin things up. I've got things in uh, uh, Amazon AWS. I've got Elastic Compute resources. I run things on Raspberry Pi. But what I would say is that after a year or two of this, I'm looking at, I'm tired and I want to, I want to consolidate it and I want to have it somewhere where it's just running supported by my IT staff. Right? Uh, my, and, my first experience yeah. was running, uh, running something on um, the public cloud and being charged for a month's use. To my surprise, I didn't realize right. I had to shut right. this thing down. Which and I feel safer on premises in some respects. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and I think it's really great. I like the you know speed at which I can do things on AWS. But then, yeah, I've done like I've got like ten things running over there now. Now applications, the export apps, you know, CloudCred, other things that we're we're running. And now I'm realizing that ah, I do have to I have to become an adult here, right? And well, you and, also and so it's it's good to be able to plug that back into a, a vSphere. Uh, right. And I've I've taken Spark based applications that are running machine learning, running right. linear regression, and moved them onto Spark running on VMware Cloud and AWS. But the training data that they're being that right. they're using is coming from S three. That is, I can I can cross that boundary into native AWS services. I can even use ML algorithms that happen to be good over there and get my trained model back into VMware land and run it there. So there's, the boundaries are blurring between sure. these. You know, the, when the deliverable is quite a small thing, it's a model. It's not a, a whole software architecture. It makes it easier. I just, just to blur the boundaries even more, uh, you know, we announced uh, our intent to acquire Bitnami uh, last week. Bitnami has quite a few, like they have TensorFlow, ResNet, Inception, and Serving. Right. Uh, uh, on their platform, you can get those as OVAs or as containers. So if you're, you know, an IT professional out there and you you suspect, you know, that that's one of the things that you need to do to ma- remain relevant, you know, as a department or as an individual, then getting those OVAs, playing around with them, and saying, you know, it's one of the things that you can do again to remain relevant. Hey, if you guys have, you know, a TensorFlow uh, project that's coming up, we can help deliver that you know, within the IT group, and then, you know, you're staying relevant to the business. And just a remark on that, John, that notice in that terminology, we've got TensorFlow, which is a mm-hmm. programming platform, and ResNet and ImageNet, which are pre-trained models, mm-hmm. right? The deliverables right. have changed. Right. It's instead of saying, I'm giving you the tooling to do your programming, I'm giving you models that have already been trained and, yep. and developed yep. and, and they're already quite mature and well tested. Kind of like application as a service. It's it's machine machine learning as a right. service and, and a module. And those those models were exactly what the performance engineering guys here tested on to make sure that VMware is the right platform for this. They they tested exactly ResNet and ImageNet and mm-hmm. there are white papers on, on this available from VMware.com that you can get a hold of and read and, and they're full of good science. You know, mm-hmm. they've got We've got good performance tests there, but that that's very interesting. And looking forward to talking to those guys. What are the pitfalls and and uh, best practices around machine learning? What do we, where where do you see the biggest mistakes? Um, I probably haven't enough time with the, with the industry to say what the what the real mistakes are yet. But my guess is okay. Uh, no, just just guessing at it is um, I think not doing a variety of projects to start with, focusing in on one Just project. Betting everything and betting on this, the fr- this one idea that we have. Betting yeah. everything on, on, on this one thing and, and not even getting started, saying this is too much technology for me, I couldn't possibly do this. This is being democratized yeah. very quickly now. And uh, you know, Justin has had no training in data science, but I'm using a tool that enables me to behave like a data scientist. 
So right. overscoping to begin with. Overscoping right? and, and a single and, instance. And then something. being too fearful to get started, I think. Mm-hmm. Get get start get going on something now and choose two or three relevant business use cases that will have some value to your business rather than a science experiment. And right. um yeah, it's interesting. In a in a sense it's similar to the Hadoop history where people love the technology but didn't identify the business use cases that would have most effect on their business to apply it to first. Mm-hmm. So most most uh, people work in a business with a sales department, right? So if you're an IT professional, do you think that there, you know, uh, you could go to you know some kind of like sales analysis department and and ask them, hey, do you have a project like this? You know, would you be willing to partner? Maybe, maybe that's a place. That's to start. perfect. That's okay. perfect. Yeah. That, in fact, somebody asked me mm-hmm. earlier this week. Can we do a propensity to buy model? Mm-hmm. And my my answer back was, give me the training data with right. the labels on it, and we'll put it into the tool and and try a model. So try something out like that. Right. Yeah, right. But that that's a clear business benefit. Everybody's got sales data. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their market data. That's a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. That that leads us into the the final one. Before we ask where you're going to be throughout 2019, but we'll we'll do that. Like, how do people get started uh, with vSphere? Like, what are the kind of sort of steps that we should tell people to go play with? We've we've written a whole bunch of guidance material. So if you go to blogs.vmware.com/apps. Slash apps. Okay. Blogs.vmware.com. Slash apps. So that's okay. that's not just machine learning. That's SAP advice, Oracle advice, Microsoft sure. advice. Right. And there's there's a section there on machine learning and high performance computing. And we we make that distinction that high performance computing is the science workloads, the university research departments doing right. doing research. And uh, I've got colleagues working in that area that are writing about that every day. And and I'm writing a lot of blogs and articles about the subject of ML. So blogs.vmr.com slash apps and if you want to go further slash apps slash ml and that will that, that will right, give you right. that'll uh, be you that'll be that'll, that'll be, your, be your, your stuff and uh, yeah. you'll find a series of four articles there that go into great detail about what the choices are for gpus and how to implement them for example so it says first of all decide whether your data scientist is getting a gpu unto himself or herself or not or whether he needs or she needs to or whether they're sharing and sharing is a kind of a safe place to start. Right. And then there are different methods to go forward with each of those. And there, there are details there about how to do that. And I, would, I, I find it very interesting to read the performance papers. That's where the best practices come, really. And that, that's good news. It's 3 to 4% that you're going to be looking at at worst. Correct. I, it's interesting that you say start with sharing. I, I mean, that's kind of like the, the VMware like mantra, right? Like share exactly. everything to start with. Exactly. And then the point where people are demanding dedicated resources, that means that your project has been successful. Right. right? You're doing serious work now. If you're occupying a GPU fully, uh, if you're occupying two GPUs fully with your training job, that's a serious machine learning application. That's a high-end application. Um, But you're right. We're we're interested also in the sharing folks, and, and a lot of our customers are saying, tell me how I can share it. And, you know, ironically, it's called the vGPU. (laughs) <laughs> virtual GPU. It's a software object that represents the hardware GPU, but it's really just a part of it. It's mm-hmm. one-eighth of its memory or a quarter of its memory or uh, something right, like that's that. What, that what is kind of what Grid is all about. Is exactly. Representing, well, you have a 16-core GPU, but you know, really what I want to do is represent it as 16 one-core GPUs. or Particularly you know, memory. Yeah. Uh, the memory of the GPU is carved up into 
equal slices at the moment. They could be unequal in the future. And so 16 gigs of memory, give each, give each virtual machine four, four gigs of that memory, and suddenly you're sharing the memory of the GPU, you're sharing the device. Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a sort of one-liner on the uh, NVIDIA grid software, which uh, goes into the hypervisor. There's a driver, uh, a VIB install in the hypervisor, and then there's a driver at the guest operating system, and they communicate to share, to share the physical GPU. And we've tested that, and there's no performance impact of any significance there as well. Nice. So that's so it is 2019. Good. Are there conferences that people that go hang out in when you're talking machine learning? Do you get to go to any of these guys? Uh, do you ever do any papers? Yeah, there, there, there's at least an, one ML conference a week. I think you know it's amazing. <laughs> it's a, this, this is a hot subject. There's a lot of buzz around this, but the the, the ones that I like I've been to this year are the Spark Summit. Okay. The Spark folks, uh, right. Databricks, are working hard on tooling for democratizing again. You know, right. the, uh, workbenches basically. Cloudera is working on workbenches. Um, H2O has got a workbench. This must be a hot area in the market because everybody's taking their previously data repository type thing and making it now a machine learning workbench. Um, so uh, there. There are several. There's a, a there's a conference called NIPS, which is neural. The first word is neural, and that uh, I think that takes place in the springtime. It's over for this year, right? So that's that's a very or NeurIPS, I think it's called. Um, there are there are several machine learning conferences, right? Right. So you can just go look, Google I, them, find them. But those I, are the kind of like, ones that you've been to. Yeah, I like the O'Reilly Strata Data Conference. It happens twice a year. Once in San Jose. Once in New York. That's a good one. That gets Interesting. The, okay. Uh, there's a there's even a TensorFlow dedicated O'Reilly. I think it's called TensorFlow World. They've they've just right. designed it. Yeah, well, just designed it. Make, it so makes sense. Everybody wants to learn as much as they can quickly here. You know, it's, right. uh, right. it's, it's and, and then do we do anything at VMworld? Are you gonna are you gonna do a paper or get a talk? Yes. Yes. Um, there are. Everybody's fighting with yeah, me yeah, to get yeah, these yeah. slots here. So right. there, uh, yeah. I think there are going to be at least half a dozen to a dozen talks on machine learning at, at VMworld. Wow. There were there were last year. Um, Interesting. Uh, outside, outside. Uh, I didn't know they let you talk. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I get cleaned go. up for a day. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the, the the University of Groningen in, in uh, the north of Holland came and spoke right. last year about we're designing new data centers. VMware is going to be at the heart of them. We want to give our research scientists GPUs and TensorFlow to use on them, and they're they're already documented in a white paper uh, about this. So that's that's a sort of oh, that's reference. So people reference can go case. if that's a those recorded session from last year. They can go and watch it they can and, go there. and maybe there. get a, a sneak preview of maybe the types of things that are being talked about exactly. at VMworld. Exactly, and there's some. Um, there's a case study written up on that one as well. So that's uh, oh, written, written by the university folks, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's getting more exciting every year going to VMworld because uh, these new technologies are coming towards us, Kubernetes, machine learning, uh, and, and there's a heavy overlap between the two, actually. Um, all of the, uh, you asked me earlier about the right. ISVs. Right. All of the ISVs are beginning to package their software in such a way that Kubernetes can deploy it. Kubernetes apply YAML file right, right. to deploy my software. Right. Well, the machine learning ISVs are no different. They're doing exactly that uh, too. Here's a Helm chart. For yeah, Helm right. chart right. deploy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is super. Justin Murray, it's a, it's been a, a great honor to have you sir, for these last twelve years at VMware. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you for having uh, me. I'm, I'm excited you're still here. There are so few people left 
that I go, oh yeah, I know, I know him. He, he was here back in the days of uh, Porter walking around the Harry Potter, Potter castle. So you know, you're still contributing. You're a great uh, guy. Uh, are you on Twitter? Do, do you I'm, ever? Twitter? I'm, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, my full name is John Justin Murray. So it's J O H Justin Murray. I misspelled it and I left it that way. <laughs> so it's J-O-H Justin Murray is where, where I live on Twitter, and I, I, I think I'm most frequently on that blog site. Right. All right. Go, go check out his blog. That's, that's awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for doing the good work. We'll see you at VMworld. And, uh, and uh, it's been a re- that is the fastest hour I've ever seen. It's just, uh, just flew by yeah. and really, really super cool. So thanks, thanks for having work. me, Eric. Yeah, Thank you, John. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. All right. We got like a minute left. We're at the top of the hour. Tony Foster, it was uh, Memorial Day. Did uh, anybody do any interesting barbecue over the weekend? I, I didn't. I talked about the ribs uh, last weekend. I was unable to get those on uh, because of weather. Um, I have. It was snowing. Friends, uh, it was probably. It was probably snowing. No, no, right. no. It, it was blowing like crazy. In fact, the wind tried to take my barbecue, but I keep my barbecue chained to the garage so it doesn't go anywhere. Um, so you lost your whole garage. Yeah, is that what you're saying? I, I do have one. Uh, it's kind of barbecue-y. I got a barbecue report um, that I'll jump in and just do for the last minute here. Uh, unaki sauce. So we, we've been making sushi rolls, Ooh. just kind of playing with sushi rolls. And we've been trying to make a dragon roll. For about a half a year now, we've been experimenting. You know, you got to do tempura. Then you wrap it with, uh, you know, rice. Then you, uh, then you, you know, you do the seaweed. Then on top of that, you put an avocado layer. Then you do uh, eel. Right. Oh, barbecue eel. Yeah, barbecue eel, right. Unagi. Yeah, but the problem is it's never had the flavor of a good a good dragon roll when you go to a good uh, you know sushi restaurant. And we finally realized it was unagi sauce. sauce. You can get a little jar of unagi sauce at Japanese you know food distributors, and that is the magic. That stuff, and it turns out you don't actually need the eel. <laughs> you don't need anything. You can just have a California roll and put unagi sauce on it, and all of a sudden it has this warm, rich barbecue barbecue flavor. So, so that's my barbecue. Uh, yeah, I'm going to now t- try to take that and put it on everything. Peanut Good butter pick. sandwich, just put some anagi sauce on it and you're going to have just a, an amazing no, warm, magical. yummy yeah. experience. That stuff is magic. That yep. sounds yep. awesome. Yep. There you go. So that's the barbecue uh, report at the end of the show. It uh, is uh, Wednesday at the end of May. We're finally getting some summer weather. Hope everybody uh, dethaws out in the Midwest. And uh, we'll be back again next week with another VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. Until then, everybody have a great week. Thank you very much, John. Great show. Ciao. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.